0: Thanks for joining us for another Family Life Today program brought to you Monday to Friday by Power to Change. I'm sure you'll hear something today that could give you a fresh perspective on your marriage or family situation. Be encouraged as we join Dave and Anne Wilson.
1: All right, so 30-plus years ago, we started speaking for the Family Life Weekend to Remember Marriage Getaways. Yes. And my very first one was with the guy sitting in the studio today, Tim Kimmel.
2: I remember when you came home from this conference. It was incredible. Uh-oh. You weren't with me on
1: that one. No. I was so alone. But, uh, Tim, you probably don't remember this. My next one was with you as well. Oh, no. In Orlando, where we are right now. Wow. And you'll never remember this, but you called me beforehand. And said And by the way, welcome Tim Kimmel to Family Life Today. <laughs> Thank you. Here we are with you.
2: <laughs> and mind you, you're thirty two years old at this time yeah, when you started 32. speaking.
1: Yeah. Uh we've been married about 10, 12 years. Mm-hmm. Ten years. Ten, ten years. years. Anyway, you called and said, Hey, um, just gotta ask you a question. You know, you're an author, little house on the freeway had been out
3: and
2: you, a known
3: personality, so you And said, you
2: had your ministry going, mm-hmm. which is
3: called at that time, Family Matters but it's now called Grace Based Families. Yeah. So it was family, family Matters, matters then. Yeah. And I, you probably don't remember this, but you said, "Hey, just want to give you a heads up.
1: We've got a camera crew that would like to film some of the stuff I'm doing at the weekend. Remember? Oh,
3: that's right.
1: And I just want to make sure you're okay with that because they're going to be there, and they're even going to they're going to film our sessions, and then film people in the lobby and whatever. Like, oh my God, that'd be great. So I get there. <laughs> Oh, nice. And you do the first session, and then I'm going to come up after you and do the second session. And oh, I remember. You walk up on stage, and three huge cameras are set up in the room. The and lights are guys on. Guys get up behind them, lights come on, camera goes on, and you go on. <laughs> and the whole room's like, wow, who is this guy? This guy's important because look at all this stuff. And then, you know, you take a five, ten-minute break, and then I walk up no lights, the <laughs> camera guys leave, the cameras are just They're sitting gone. in the
2: room, and the whole audience is like, this guy's nobody.
0: <laughs> you know what I remember
2: about that conference, Tim, is Dave came home and he said, This guy Hmm. is one of the most phenomenal speakers I've ever heard in my life, and he could be a comedian, but the content that he's delivering is amazing, and his walk with God is even more inspiring. Thank you.
3: It's fun to circle back with people that I've known so long, and even though we might not talk for months, even years at a gap, and you just pick up right where we yeah. left off. Yeah. Being uh, a speaker for the weekend, to remember, I, I would always come home and think, oh, Lord, I needed that. I needed that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, if, if the only reason you put me on here is just for, yeah. for the, the accountability to my own marriage and relationship with Darcy, thank you. And, yeah. uh, but it was fun to make the friends and team with people like you.
2: Tim, how many years have you and Darcy been
3: married? We just celebrated our 50th anniversary.
2: What? Boom. Congratulations. Wow. Yeah.
3: yeah 50. How many
2: kids, grandkids?
3: We have four kids and ten grandkids. Wow. Mm. But, but, you know, when, when I see the picture of all of us together, and by the way, as you know, the more grandkids you get and the kids get married, it's harder to gather them all together it and is. have them all smiling in the same direction <laughs> at the same at the same time. But as I look at that, I remember when it was just Darcy and I in that picture. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I have in my office a picture of my family of the kids and Darcy, in individual things. On the left I have a picture of the Jameson Memorial Hospital in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. That's where I was born. Mm. And then on the right is the obelisk in the middle of Graceland Cemetery it says Kimmel on it. Mm. And that's where my ancestors and all there's room for me if we so choose. And and mm. when I look at that I say, okay, here's where you came in, here's where you're checking out. But don't forget for a second, mm-hmm. this is the biggest reason you're here. Yeah. doesn't mean we can't do other things. It doesn't mean we worship our family. It doesn't mean we 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 get a mess or anything like that. They Everybody has their space, but this is where we'll make the biggest difference. And we can do that well or we can do that poorly. We write so much of the script of their future, and so that's why... I, I think it's really important that we uh, make sure that God's grace is in the driver's seat. Otherwise, we become nightmarish high controllers that uh, <laughs> uh, they, they leave too many regrets behind. We don't need to do that.
1: Yeah, which is what we're going to talk about yeah. today because you wrote a book decades ago yeah. about doing it right and not doing it wrong. And
2: You've written 16 books, mm-hmm. and you and Darcy have impacted Dave and I well, so much, so many people. But this book is pretty amazing. That's why we wanted to bring it back out.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you remember it. It's been so long ago, but it's called The High Cost of High Control, How to Deal with Powerful Personalities. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that because if there's anything none of us want to be and we don't even like being around people like that, high control people. Mm
3: -hmm. What are the attributes of high control people? Here's how I would define high control. It's when I leverage the strength of my personality or my position against your weaknesses – in order to get you to meet my selfish agenda. Mm. For instance, let's say you parent-child. We have the talk about authority and the position. Mm. We're the parents, right? But the Bible makes it real clear we are not supposed to control our children. We're supposed to keep them under control. There's a big difference. <laughs> and see, if if, if if I'm in a management or leadership position and i got to keep people under control, I can do that graciously, keeping everybody's uh, uniqueness and identity and safety and uh, allowing them to be vulnerable. But when I want to control them, it's a selfish agenda. Here's what I think for our discussion, people listening, I think all of us would do better when it comes to this discussion on high control is to assume going in that we all have, you know, some degree of it. Mm.
2: So you're saying for that listener that's like, I I'm super laid back, I don't feel
3: like I'm controlling it all. You're saying no, it's it's in there. Well well I think all of us have that tendency to slip over that thin line of relationships and make decisions or impose our wishes on people that aren't really ours to do. But we want to do it, Tim. Yeah. I'm but, good at it. Yeah, exactly. And so a lot of it is just self-protection. You know, you figure, of, hey, if I don't look out for myself, nobody else will. And some people are in that situation where they clearly feel that. Mm. But we all have that tendency. And here's the other thing. I think all of us clearly can think of somebody. And you know, I like to say you're either looking down the barrel of a high controller or you're looking down the sights. <laughs> <laughs> but one way or the other, this is just a, this is just a human problem. And obviously, extreme high controllers can be very toxic to relationships. Right. But there's a mild view of it, though, that I think can still be like that slow leak hmm. in a relationship. We were on a family vacation one time, and we had a blowout on a freeway. So I had to change the tire, took it in the next day to the place and said, yeah, I had a big blowout. And the guy said, yeah, you had a slow leak in there. No, I had a blowout. He had a slow leak. It blew out the side of the car. And this is on a trip we were going from Phoenix up to San Francisco. He said, can I ask you a question? Before you left, was that tire low? <laughs> uh, yeah. And you put some air in it, didn't you? Yeah. You, you have a nail in it. And when we see relationships just blow up, marriages just blow up, parent-child thing, we think, oh, it just kind of came out of nowhere. No. It had a slow leak. It's had a slow leak for some time. And so mild high control can steal so much joy out of a relationship, and it doesn't necessarily mean people are going to split up or get divorced. And you might have a decent highlight reel, but you had nothing remotely close to the kind of love story you could have written.
1: Well, how do we know? I mean... You know, when you said, you know, you might be looking down the sites. In mm-hmm.
3: other words, you might be the one that has high control and you don't realize it. Let me throw out three questions. This can set the stage for us figuring out the different types of controllers. Are there. How would you answer this? I feel I'm responsible for the outcome of the lives around me. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's apparent, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But when those kids are teenagers and they're already on a trajectory towards independence mm. and we continue to want mm. to... Manage, micromanage, make all the decisions for them. Boom. Yeah,
2: I think as moms, especially, we're feeling mm. like this is yeah. my. Re- these kids are my responsibility.
3: Yeah. We feel. How that. about this one? The only way to get something done right is to do it myself. <laughs> Here's one more. Okay, you can just stop. Okay. Wait, just I don't know. I want to hear. He it. You just got me. <laughs> if I don't help someone make a right decision, do the right thing, go the right place, who will? <laughs>
2: Isn't that my God-given role and responsibility?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Obviously, we have a responsibility. If you want to put this in a parent-child relationship, let me give you a a little idea on that. I kind of look at the parent-child relationship as when, when we're parents, we have two basic dynamics that we have, big jobs we have. We have to protect our kids. Right. And then we have to prepare them to be out on their own. Two different things. Now, obviously, when they're first born, this is clearly the age of protection. Right. Because they can't do anything. They're helpless. So you have and high control. We're controlling so many of the things, where they eat, what they eat, when they sleep, all that stuff. Who they with. But here's what's interesting, is that as they get about six years old, you want to start really backing down that protection. At six. At six. Between six and 12, you want to start a nosedive on that. Now, fact, most parents would think, wait, 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 maybe at 12, but at six. Okay. Let me tell you why. Because between six and 12... We mature the fastest, hmm. uh, uh, physically, neurologically, emotionally, intellectually, everything. They're, they're growing really fast. So what you want to do is, as they're starting to mature fast, start to hand more life over to them. Yeah. And then when they get out into about 12, 13 years old, you're hardly making any of the big decisions in their life. And that brings up the age of preparation. So they're now at boot camp for Adult life, and they're they're going to go through the teenage years, and they're running, a, making a lot of decisions in their life. Now, here's what I can guarantee a parent: if you give your teenager the option to make a lot of decisions as a teenager, they're going to make some lousy ones. <laughs> yeah. Okay, don't panic. Just don't circumvent any of the consequences. Let them learn from all their mistakes, and you keep moving on. Here's the problem I think a lot of parents make, especially high control parents, is we start the age of protection and we maintain it all the way. As long as they're under our roof. But, Tim, do you see the world
2: we're living yeah, in? Yeah, yeah. Isn't it my responsibility yeah. to protect them? Well,
3: if you want to raise a nice, safe kid, that's the way you do it. And you also send a wimp into the future. You send a pushover. So we protect them all the way. Then we send them off to Pagan State University. <laughs> and they drink beer by the keg. And we said, what happened? Well, we didn't bring them up to speed. And listen. If my kids, if your kids, if any of our listeners' kids are gonna struggle and work through some tough stuff, wouldn't you rather them do that under your roof? Yeah. Um, For sure.
1: I always said that and other yeah. parents would look at me like I was crazy, it's like no. they're gonna sin.
3: Yeah.
1: And I sort of want them to we stay while i are still walk here. Down, yeah. walk we them love through them. Right. We're gonna get you. We can be this. part of
3: the recovery. Right. Yeah. Right. Here's the good news. See if you raise a safe kid, as I said, you might get a very safe kid, also very passive Fearful. Fearful kid, yeah. If you raise a strong kid, you usually get a safe one thrown in. Mm. It causes them to default to the things that they know they can count on more. And to start thinking for themselves and taking it to Jesus.
2: Give us an example of what that could have looked like for you guys.
3: Our youngest son, a boy named Colt. When our son came home from college, he graduated from college, and I let him use our green Jeep Grand Cherokee While he was off at college, he came home and his graduation gift, we got him a new car. And he was launching, you know. And so I gave those keys to that green Jeep Grand Cherokee to Colt, who was in high school. And I said, here, you can use this for the duration of high school. I gave them to him on a Thursday morning, and I took them away from him Thursday night. (laughs) Didn't even
1: last 24 hours. Um, yeah.
3: And by the way, this is my, our son had graduated, uh, in, in December. So the Christmas was coming up and the kids were all out with their friends and Darcy was wrapping gifts and I was up, uh, I think I was paying some bills online, uh, at the bank and the doorbell rang and there were two Phoenix police officers at the front door. Oh no. Now you got to understand that the first question they ask you, do you own a Greek Green Jeep Grand Cherokee.
1: And you're thinking. You know, either,
3: oh, has it been in a horrible accident? What's yeah. wrong? And she would called me down and said, yeah. He said, well, apparently some kids were out taking some yard decorations for some people and rearranging them in disgusting ways and, and running on their roof and all, and your car was a getaway car. I said, well, I know the driver. Hang on. <laughs> so I called up Colt. I said, Colt, two Phoenix Finesters are at our front door. They need to talk to you. You need to get home. And so we sat there and visited with them. And then they kind of pulled the one motion to the other took, go down the end of our sidewalk. And they talked, and they came back and said, look, we're going to let you two handle this one. I said, he's on his way home. He'll be here. And he said, we got a lot on our plate. We're going <laughs> to let you handle this one. They took off one direction, he came the other direction. I said, Well, apparently you're having fun at somebody else's expense. They called the a cop sign, we're gonna have to go talk to him. So we went over to the we went over to their house and, and it was an elderly couple. He was a big, thick, barrel chested man. She was a little tiny waif of a size zero lady. And they had accents, they were from Eastern Europe. I mm-hmm. uh, rapped in the door and they came and there was a screen door there and I said, Hi, I'm Tim Kimmel. It was my our car and my son that was here. Earlier this evening Messing with your, your stuff in your yard And then I looked up at Colt He's taller than me And it was his turn <laughs> He went over looked at the thing He says, hi, my name's Colt Kimmel And I'm an idiot <laughs> 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 Well, what was funny And honestly, what happened next I would have paid her to do this She did it for free hmm. That little tiny waif of a lady Came out and got in my son's grill And just let him have it <laughs> He said, "Ma'am, I am so sorry. There is no excuse for this. I am absolutely a hundred percent." By the way, there are three other people in a car. Mm-hmm. But I was—he was doing exactly what I expected my son to do: take full responsibility.
1: Good for him.
3: And he did. And so we went home, and I said, "Give me the keys. You'll see him in a month."
2: But that wasn't controlling. Tim, no.
3: you're saying. No, it was—it was over. Yeah, the consequences. Right. There's three types of controllers. There's aggressive controllers. There's passive controllers, and then there's a combination of the two, passive-aggressive controllers. Mm.
2: Mm. Oh, Tim, go to the second one, that passive controller. What does that look like?
3: Well, I'll give you an example. In the book, I give names to each one of them to start with them, the masked controller. Mm. They don't tell the people up close to them the truth about them. They have um, a family past. They have some deep, dark secret and all that stuff, but that doesn't come out in the open, but that's holding them hostage. Mm. And as a result, they're doing a lot of things and manipulating to try and keep you from knowing that, that make them into controllers. Uh, they're they're not, not being forthright about the things they've dealt with. Uh, how about the miser? Hmm. The miser is a person who uses money and things to manipulate people's behavior. Now, they might be generous, but there's always strings attached. Hmm. Uh, you know, another way a miser can work in a marriage is sex. Hmm. They can dish it out when they want something in return. I think parents can do that especially with adult kids.
2: Hey, I'm gonna give you this money, but there's all these strings attached to that. Yeah.
3: The magnifier Mm. is another type of passive controller. You know, if we took a wrote a little note on the side of a balloon, then we blow the balloon up. The thing is much bigger than it originally was. Well, a magnifier is the person that they magnify a situation way beyond what it is in order to ultimately just back away from it. They use the expression, yes, but. Mm -hmm. However, you didn't consider. It's not that simple because they're not wanting to. By the way, this is very common in a marriage, especially if if an adventurous person marries a person that is careful. Yep. It's our marriage, my my marriage with Darcy. And I wonder who's the adventurous one. too. Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> and if you t- have a lot of fears, hmm. you would easily fall into this category of taking something that really is not that big of a, a threat or an issue, and magnifying it so that ultimately I don't even have to even try to take this risk. I mean, how do you how do you balance
1: that out? Because in some ways, I was too adventurous with right. the boys, and, and She did a great job, but she had fears that at first I was super
2: controlling. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Once again, here let's go back to our definition. Yeah. Because that's that saves us. High control is when I leverage the strength of my personality and my position against your weaknesses in order to get you to meet my selfish mm-hmm. agenda. It's not a selfish agenda if you're taking a kid's skydiving when they're eight years old and she's saying, "I think this is a bad idea." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the I'm using I'm exaggerating to make a point. But it's not far. But 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 <laughs> I wouldn't do it at eight, but maybe nine. But but it but it but it could well be that there's just some selfish things that I don't like my. My schedule messed up. I don't want to be disrupted. I would rather not have to to deal with uh, the the aftermath of this adventure of yours, which means I have a lot more work to do when the kids get home. All that stuff. That's yeah, controlling. A marshmallow controller. And, and some of the nicest people I know are some of the most effective passive controllers. Mm. Uh, they're sensitive. They're sweet. They're compassionate. They're loyal. About as understanding as anyone could be. They can play a situation to their liking simply by refusing to do anything when it's time to do something. You know, they all real nice, but they won't make that move. And these are forms of control because, they're, once again, they're, they have a selfish desire. Yeah. And they're using their lack of action to ultimately get the person, okay, I'll do it. I'll just do it. You won't have to mess with this, or We're, we won't do it. Mm. So if a person is listening and they're
1: thinking, maybe... Maybe I have some of these. Mm-hmm. How do they discover if if they're truly a high control and it's too too much
3: out of control? Well, let's go back to something we said at the beginning. I think we're all better off if we just come at this whole subject assuming mm. we struggle with it, because that puts us in a best position. First of all, be open to learn and figure out ways we do it, and and also to keep it in check. Mm. You know, AA is a very effective right. system. And uh, if a person is an alcoholic and they go to an AA meeting, they stand up, the very first thing they better say is their name and that they're an alcoholic. Because hmm. why, why is that so profound of that thing? They say, stop kidding yourself. Yeah. Assume this Admit degree. Of, yeah. now, it, it, because right. now we're in a position, okay, yeah, I'm this I'm going to do something about it.
2: So you're saying that I should say, I'm Ann Wilson, and I'm controlling. Yeah. Every person could
3: say that. Yeah. We
0: want to thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication, and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as Power to Change, and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Do you want to learn how to use marriage to transform your community? Consider joining with us to help build marriage ministry movements where lives are transformed through the gospel. For more information or to get started today, email radio at powertochange.org.au Or check out our website under Helping Couples at families.powertochange.org.au We hope you can join us tomorrow at the same time for another Family Life Today.